0: One, And today the conversation is going to be on confession, confess one. So let's start out with a little confession time uh, this morning. How many of you, you're in church so you've got to tell the truth now. How many of you have ever told a lie with a show of hands? Okay, no lightning so you're all telling the truth. You know, how many of you have ever denied doing something or maybe said something when in fact you had, in fact, done or said it? You know, when I was a kid growing up, and and some of you know this uh, about my story, and maybe this is, you can relate to that, but my mom and dad were tenacious at teaching my siblings and I the importance of telling the truth. Uh, Maybe your parents were the same way, maybe you were that way as a parent, in fact, it, was, it wasn't uncommon for my parents if they caught one of us kids to either telling a lie or worse yet, swearing that they would discipline us how. Anybody want to take a guess? My mom and dad would grab a bar of soap and they would proceed to wash our tongue and our teeth with it. My dad was especially good, not that I would know, but he would just grind it like the, the, the 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 soap bar on on my teeth. And so it was just a nasty, nasty experience. But what it did was it reinforced the message, at least in our family household, that lying or swearing produced uncomfortable consequences. Yep, anybody relate to that? Anybody ever had their mouth washed out with soap? No bueno, not a good thing. Y'all remember the story in the Bible that involved a guy by the name of Peter who uh, three times was asked if Jesus was his friend. Remember the story Jesus, the Bible tells us, had been arrested. He was toward the end of his earthly ministry. The Romans had arrested him under pre- because of the pressure of the Jews. We know that Jesus was on his way to the cross. And so Peter, one of Jesus' friends, decides to kind of follow along with the crowd to kind of see how the whole scenario would uh, play out. And while he was following along, the Bible tells us that quite unexpectedly, someone accuses Peter of being what? Of Jesus. A friend of Jesus, right? A follower of Jesus. In fact, on three different occasions with three different individuals, the Bible tells us that Peter was asked if he was a friend of Jesus. And on all three occasions, how did Peter respond? Nope. Don't know the guy. Nope. Never heard of him. Nope. Yeah, I realize our accent's the same, but nope. He and I are not friends. Not once. Not twice. But three times, Peter lied, didn't he? Which tells us what? It tells us that even saints can fall from time to time. So here's the good news, though, of Peter's story. If you read on in the scriptures, if you, you, we can read how Jesus forgave him, didn't he? And the good news for you and the good news for me is the, is the truth, is the fact and I want to suggest to you this morning, is that Jesus will, too, forgive us when we flub up, when we fall short, when we make mistakes. And so if you're taking notes this morning and you want to have write this down, here's the big idea of our conversation today. And that is, confession is life-giving. Have you experienced that to be true in your life? Confession is life-giving. Now if you have a Bible, whether it's in written or digital form, turn to the book of Psalms. Psalms 32, I've told you this before, that if you, unless you have a lot of uh, stuff at the end of your Bible, if you just kind of open your Bible to the middle, you should land in the book of Psalms, but in my case, I just missed it. But Psalms chapter 23 and 32, did I say? Psalm 32, thank you very much. Psalm 32, let's read the first five verses. Psalm 32, verses one to five. This is what we read. I'm reading now the New Living Translation, so if you have a digital form, your Bible app, do the NLT, this is what we read. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of Discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Verse 5. But finally I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Church, there are four things that I want to suggest to you this morning about about confession that we grab here from what the Bible writer tells us in Psalm 32. And the first point is this, write this down. Sin stubbornness fosters demise. Sin stubbornness fosters, in fact, personal demise. Look at what he says here in verse three and four. I think it's in your program notes. He writes, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, God, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Now, I wonder if any of you here this morning would confess to having a stubborn streak. Anybody here recognize that maybe they have a bit of a stubborn heart? You know, psychology re- researchers have suggested, and I'm not sure this is good news or not, but uh, they have suggested that stubbornness is actually a personality trait. A person who is stubborn might be described, see if this describes any of you, they might be described as unwilling to change their opinion about a situation, or resistant to changing their behavior or attitude. You ever heard of, had one of your kids say to you, no, I won't, and you can't make me? Stubborn? Stubborn people are rigidly attached to their beliefs, opinions, their ideas, and tastes. And often, stubborn people cannot stand with anybody disagreeing with them. If you're someone who has a tendency to think that you're the smartest person in the room, then you probably might have a little stubbornness in you. Stubborn people are often so resolute in a certain way of thinking that they will dismiss anyone who holds a different opinion Pig-headedness is an adjective we often use to describe a stubborn person. A person who is stubborn will deride new ideas and suggestions. Oftentimes they have a tendency to be okay and even rationalize and justifies the status quo. Stubborn people will often argue against change even when that change is, is positive or even in their personal best interests. Stubborn people refuse to move. You know anybody who's stubborn? Are you married to anybody who's, who's stubborn? You know, friends, God's in the business of transforming lives, yes. God, our Heavenly Father, our Maker, is in the business of molding and reshaping and renewing. And so, if you're stubborn, I got good news to you. for you. God can change that in your heart and in mine. You see, when a person has a hard heart and an unyielding spirit, I think the psalmist is telling us that they are in danger of being sin-stubborn. And I want to suggest to you that sin-stubbornness can foster personal demise. Friends, be on your guard against sin-stubbornness. Point number two. A second thing I think that the Bible writer tells us here this morning about Confession and this whole idea of confession is that sin confession fosters freedom. Sin confession or soft heartedness fosters freedom. Verse 5, he writes, Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Church, finish this statement. Confession is good for the soul. You ever heard that? It's the old Scottish phrase. You know, have you ever done something wrong, maybe lied about it, maybe denied that you did it, but then later fessed up and kind of came out in the open? You know, have you ever experienced that getting the truth out is liberating? Even when there's a prospect of punishment no more secrets no more hiding out there in the open freeing even healing why because sin confession fosters freedom I don't know why when every time I think about confession and lying I always I've told you the story before but you know I grew up in a town of a hundred people in Kansas and there was nothing to do and so the one thing that we would do is we would create our own fun. And what, usually the way we would create our own fun was by doing mischief. I remember one day we just found, because we're thrill seekers, one whole afternoon for like a whole week, my, my, my friends and I, and there were like seven or eight of us, we would go and we would find every single tree we could possibly find within our county. And we would all climb to the top, all of us, like seven or eight of us in this tree. And then one, we would each take turns chopping down the tree. And we'd ride it to, that was the thrill, that was the thrill. And then I remember one night we were in, I was sitting at dinner and my, my dad came in and we were having our family dinner. That's what you did back uh, in, in, the, in the long years ago, you would have family dinner. And my dad said, it's the strangest thing we can't figure out. Everybody's talking about it in the, in the neighborhood, in the, down at the coffee hop. All these, all these trees are getting chopped down and nobody knows why. Mischief. Or there was another time we had a lot of these abandoned homes in, the, in the, our, our town, and we would go in as kids, and what do you do in abandoned homes? You explore and you find, and, and if there's windows, what do you do if you're a kid? You break them. I mean, it's a abandoned home, right? And it's all good and fun until they come home and say, "Boys, so-and-so saw you down at the house and they saw you throwing rocks at these windows. And guess what you get to do all summer now? You get to mow lawns to pay for those windows in that, in that house. And I can remember going to the, I've told you the story before, I can remember going to the house and knocking on the door and I was so overwhelmed with, I, was, I felt so guilty. And I had to say, Mr. and Mrs. Johnson, I can't, I don't think that's their name anymore, but my brother and I were here to just confess up to confess that we were the ones that broke the windows in your house and we're here to work for you all summer and we're going to pay work mow lawns all summer to pay you back. And even though the punishment was severe and even no my mom and dad were not well you were grounded for like a month except to mow lawns, there was something liberating about that there was something coming clean about that and unbeknownst to me what God was doing to me and my brothers and those of us who were were caught and confessed he was shaping our character and he was teaching us the value of honesty and truthfulness and good behavior sin confession fosters freedom so I don't know if any of you are here this morning and you're fostering any secrets. I don't know if you have any, some things that you're keeping in the closet. I just want to offer to you what the psalmist says to you this morning and what I have personally experienced in my own life, just not only with my parents but through Jesus, is that sin confession fosters freedom. You know, I suspect that some of you know firsthand what it's like to battle an addiction. Some of you in your life have battled, for example, substance addic- Addiction. And a lot of times people who subsidize, let me give you some examples. There's alcohol and there's tobacco and there's prescription drugs. Years ago, I, I had a friend who was addicted to um, NyQuil. And uh, when it finally came out, you know, finally said, you know, I have a problem here. And, and I, would you help me with that? There was just this liberating moment of going, you're not alone anymore. We can, we can step into this challenge with you. Cocaine, opioids, Huge crisis right now in the United States. Do you know anybody whose life has ever been ravaged by opioids? Bad stuff. Then there's impulse addictions like gambling or kleptomania, which is compulsive what? Stealing or pyromania, which is what? Setting fires, all three of which are generally kept hidden and kept secret. Add to this list some common behavioral addictions people have, like food, eating disorders, right? People struggle with that, yet they keep it silent. Sex. Tiger Woods, years, just a few years ago, came out, finally came out of the closet, came clean. He realized he had this behavioral issue. There's pornography, there's time on the internet, there's playing video games. I'm not a video gamer. I, I never really have found an interest in that, but boy, you can sit down. I, I just know people who will sit down, they'll talk to me about in their marriage, you know, they're single, they get married. Suddenly now they sit down at their computer and eight hours later, they're still at their, you know, playing on their, their gaming against their, and it's wrecking their marriage. It's an addiction work can be an addiction exercise can be an addiction even shopping can be an addiction that people struggle with and brothers and sisters all i'm just i'm i'm just i'm not pointing out as one worse than the other i'm simply saying that there's lots of addictions that people struggle with and what the bible reminds you and me and encourages us here in these verses is to consider the truth that sin confession fosters freedom that when we go to god with our struggles and when we confess our our or issue maybe with a trusted friend that those sins that we're hiding in the closet, when they come out, that confession somehow just creates a sense of freedom. That it's a starting point of healing. Confession is life giving. A third thing. Point number three in your notes that the Bible writer reminds us of, of here tells us here in this in this. Uh, These verses is that sin forgiveness fosters joy. Sin forgiveness fosters joy. Psalm 32 verse 1, you have it there in your notes. It says, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. You know, in just a few minutes, we're going to receive communion. We're going to take communion. You're going to be offered the opportunity to take communion. And really, the, the ritual of communion, as most of you know, was something that Jesus established when he was here on, on this earth. And part of I want to suggest to you, part of the activity of communion really involves you and me doing some self-in introspection, kind of taking a look at our life, doing some time to reevaluate, to take inventory where maybe we have fallen short of what God's expectations are for us, for maybe where we have sinned, either against God or against our neighbor, and I want to suggest to you that part of this inventory-taking process is to say, okay, where did, I, where did I mess up this last month? We typically do it monthly, and if, if you're not in the habit of doing that, we're just like where, where have I you know, blown it this last week? And then just saying, God, will you forgive me? I'm not minimizing what I've done. I'm not minimizing what I've said. I'm not minimizing this addiction that I might be dealing with or struggling with or it's growing into, whether it's an attitude or whatever the case may be. But I just recognize that it, 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 it's wrong and I've been a little stubborn about it. And will you forgive me? Will you, will you cleanse me? Will you help me to be the person that God the Father has designed me to be? That's what we come for communion to to do some self-evaluation and to ask God, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Will you do that again? And will you cleanse me? Why? Because sin forgiveness produces joy. Confession is life-giving. And then point number four in your notes, I think the Bible writer tells us here that sin expungement fosters empowered living. Sin expungement fosters empowered living. Psalm 32 verse 2 says, Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Sin expungement fosters empowered living. You know, during the night. During the 1700s, the 1700s, the countries of Poland, uh, Russia, Lithuania, Denmark, Germany, and one other one, uh, Belgium, made up what was known as, anybody know? Prussia, with a P, P P-R-U-S-S-I-A, Prussia. So six countries back in the 1700s made up what was known as the Kingdom of Prussia. And at that time, history tells us that when the Prussian king, Frederick the Great, he decided that he was going to visit one of their prisons, which happened to be in Berlin. And so as the king made his way through the halls of that penitentiary, that that prison, uh, history tells us that the prisoners all began to kind of fall on their knees, uh, prostrate before him. But as they did, they each began to proclaim their innocence Your majesty, I'm innocent. Your majesty, I'm here because somebody messed me up. Your majesty, I'm innocent. One by one by one, these prisoners would fall at their feet except for one guy. Well, as the king approached this one man, he he noticed that not only was he standing there stoic, but he wasn't saying anything either. He was just standing there silent. And so... The king was caught off guard by the fact that this man was not asking for his mercy. He was not there declaring his innocence. And so the Frederick called out to him. He said, why are you here? King Frederick asked. Well, armed robbery, your majesty. The man replied, are you guilty? Yes, I'm guilty, your majesty, and I deserve my punishment. Well, history tells us that King Frederick then turned to the jailer and he ordered this edict and he said, release this guilty wretch at once. Release this guilty wretch at once. I will not have him kept in this prison where he will corrupt all the fine, innocent people who occupy it. <laughs> Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. if you look at the top left-hand portion of your program up the very top, this is what we read. People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Friends, Jesus is in the business of sin expungement. Somebody say amen. Amen. And when we go to him with authenticity and we confess to him our struggles and our weaknesses through the power of God's Holy Spirit, the Bible promises, the Bible promises, the Bible what? It promises that Jesus will touch us and he will empower us to live differently. That sin expungement fosters empowered living. So I don't know. I don't know if any of you are here this morning and you're hiding or holding on to sin. I don't know if any of you could be convicted of having a guilty heart or a guilty attitude. Or worse than that, a stubborn heart. Or a stubborn attitude but what I do know and what you know is that Jesus loves us yes and what I do know and what you do know is that the Bible promises that Jesus will confess he will forgive us when we confess and we repent of our stuff anybody have any stuff this morning Friends, the Bible tells us that confession is life-giving. And so this morning, the Bannings, please come up, and the Bauermeisters, please come up, are going to help assist with communion. And as Beto and Shaggy come up, and they grab their guitars, and they play some music, and they give us a chance to kind of meditate, I first want to invite you, before you come forward to receive communion... Which is, there's nothing necessarily overly spiritual or sacred about it, but it's something that Jesus encouraged us to practice, that whenever we take it, we're to be reminded of the truth, that he loves us, that he is for us, and that he is with us. There's also just a, simply an opportunity, as I mentioned already, just top, stop and take inventory of your life, and if, there's a, if you feel like there's a, a sin in your life that you've been hiding, if there's something in your life that you've been maybe holding on to, I want to encourage you to just say, God, will you forgive me? Will you cleanse me of this, whatever it is? Take some personal inventory, friends, of your life. And then when you're ready, uh, just simply come forward and they will serve you. Pick a a side, left or right. Maybe you're here today um, and you feel like you want to confess something to somebody. You know, if you don't... You can go directly to the Lord, but if you feel like you want to confess something and you want somebody to pray with you, I'll be here at the front. I'd be glad to hear you and pray with you. But come forward, grab your elements, hold them, and then we'll we'll participate in taking them together. So take inventory, confess, and experience the loving touch of Jesus today. The time is yours, church. The time is yours. Hi, my name is Melissa Pena. Thanks for joining our online Palm Harvest community. We'd love to connect with you. If there's a specific way that we can pray for you, please send us your prayer requests at prayer at palmharvest.com. If you'd like to support our ministry, please text us at 84321. Thanks again, God bless.